Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with uh, one of our guest mentors, uh, Frank uh, Abruzis, and then hopefully I didn't totally butcher the, the last name, uh, but he comes to us in the background uh, as, a, as a CEO of, of a tech company uh, with, with a background in business, but I'll, I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more. Uh, so tell us, Frank, a little bit about what you're doing now, and then we'll get back into the backstory and, and uh, find out a little bit more of what you were like as a kid. Sure. Thanks so much. Uh, pleasure being here, Frank Abertzazi. What I'm doing now is... Um, Looking at three main priorities, I'm uh, focusing on my uh, health, which took me a long time to get to over the years as number one. And of course, my family had the lovely Carmela and two wonderful daughters, 21 and 23. <laughs> and th- I guess the uh, the paying job I do have today that I love and enjoy is CEO and President AlphaCore, a tech innovative company here in Windsor, Essex County. And I love to uh, volunteer. I'm sitting on some boards and uh, just embracing and enjoying every single day. That's amazing. So uh, I'd love to go back in time and uh, ask a little bit about what was Frank like as a kid? So, so what were some of the earliest, fondest uh, childhood memories? Uh, what, what were you like uh, growing up? And then how do we get from there to, to where you are now? And then we'll slowly go through this story. <laughs> So as a, as a kid, I, I grew up on a farm in a small town outside of Windsor in Leamington. Actually, it used to be a home of uh, Tomato Capital of Canada for H.J. Hines Company came came here in 1909. Okay. <laughs> where today we're big on uh, agricultural greenhouse. And uh, so there's uh, the world has really changed in that small town. But uh, growing up on a farm was a lot of fun. I was five years old when uh, we moved to the family farm. And my dad grabbed two shovels and gave one to me and one to my four-year-old brother and said, boys, we got to dig 900 holes for the peach trees. And we haven't looked back and stopped working ever since. So my childhood was going to school. I worked at our local ethnic club, uh, Italian club, uh, from 11 years old. So I graduated from university. And I also had a uh, summer job every summer on top of the farm. And we slipped on our bicycles and rode out to Point Peely whenever we could steal away a little pocket at a time. But um, the fun part about growing up was the, uh, the roadside uh, stand. We sold a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables. And, you know, we're going back into the 70s and 80s where a lot of people were going to and from the beaches and the cottages. And we had a lot of Americans. So we got to really learn how to communicate and interact with people. Uh, so that was a lot of fun as a kid, not realizing all those years, what an effect it was going to make uh, in my career in terms of communication and uh, taking care of people. And growing up, were you more of like like a, a shy kid uh, or, or kind of a rough and tumble? Sounds like there's a lot of activity there, the bicycling and all that sort of stuff. Uh, were you like a bookie, bookie smart kid? Were you reading a lot or what, what were some of the, the characteristics of Frank back then? You hit it right at the beginning, extremely shy. I didn't exist on any radar. <laughs> Actually, uh, it, it, you know, my upbringing was kind of like shampoo, school, work, sleep, repeat. Gotcha. Didn't do any other activities, uh, didn't play any sports, didn't join any clubs, was not social. Ironically, my uh, grade 12 high school reunion, uh, three, three people came up to me and knew my entire life story and, and on the way back home, I said to my wife goes, wow, you're really popular in high school. Everybody knew you. And I go, 
those people didn't even talk to me. They only know me because of social media. Right. Very interesting. <laughs> so, so how things come back when you become successful later in life, then people all of a sudden remember you? Is that kind of what, what happens? Or? Yeah, it, uh, I don't know if they really remember uh, the, the upbringing part, but they, they do remember of me. And, you know, it's, it's a unique last name, so that's kind of neat. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun growing up like that. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, basically uh, just stick to the basics and uh, always uh, do, do the right thing. And uh, Dad always taught us to uh, keep our nose clean, keep our mouth closed, and uh, never argue with the boss or the manager and always do what you're told. So that's that's how we were brought up. So talk to us a little bit about some of the influences growing up. So eventually, well, after grade 12, you, did, you have to uh, do something else. So uh, was the aspiration always to go to, to college, university? Uh, was there a, a path paid for you? Or were you always uh, expected to take over the, 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 the farm afterwards? Or what, what was kind of that uh, decision-making process like? One path um, was to always take over the farm. I have two younger brothers and older sister. All four of us decided not to go down that path. Okay. The other three uh, um, didn't do much after grade 12 in terms of school. They all went to work. You know, we grew up uh, Heinz being a, uh, you know, a factory, a union. Now that was uh, the dream and the aspiration of the family. I was, I always felt something different out there. So I decided to uh, go to university, get a business degree and do something totally different. And then uh, what, what my uh, path was set out for me when I was young. And I really fell in love with business because in grade 11, I discovered bookkeeping. That was one of my favorite classes uh, in high school. And I really loved numbers. And so in the university with the, B, with the B business degree, I got to play into stats and uh, it was called managed science. Calculus, I actually enjoyed second time around in the university level. Marketing management, they really excited me a lot. So I wanted to become an accountant. That was my first real main uh, aspiration in university as a career path. Yeah, would you mind going to uh, kind of the decision-making process or, or more that the conversation with with uh, the parents to say, well, I, I hope that someone takes over the farm, like, and uh, I guess you're the, you're the eldest uh, boy. So, so yeah. what was that conversation like? <laughs> well, from, from day one, I always told my parents that at 18, I would no longer work on the farm. Okay, so you already knew ahead of time. <laughs> During those summers, uh, I would uh, during the lunch hour, I would go home, uh, load our peaches on the pickup truck, deliver them to the shipper receiver. I'd be home at five, load up the truck again, bring them back to the shipper receiver. Um, just so you know, in Leamington, all our peaches had to be in by uh, 6 p.m. Okay. And they're on the transport truck. So uh, on, on the 401 and into Quebec and they're on the Shell's uh, grocery store uh, the next morning in Montreal. So it was pre pretty cool to, to be part of that and to realize that uh, you know 10 hours away our our hard effort today is going to be sitting on the uh, shelves in the morning and going to people's homes that was kind of neat but uh, to answer your question the the farm is never in my cup of tea <laughs> okay. and and was that was that uh like just a, a parent conversation you know what mom and dad not for me and and they were pretty supportive about the whole process and said you know what here's uh, another path for you off to, to university I don't know if they were supportive because, you know, we never had deep conversations as a family growing up. A lot of it was understood and expected. But, uh, you know, I think about three years, four years into my career, my dad pulled me aside and said, you know, you made a huge mistake in your life. You really should have uh, gone to work on the factory like your brothers. Look at all the money they're making. Look at how well they're doing. And, you know, we started talking. We never really talked about money. And I just looked at my dad and said, 
I surpassed my brothers a long time ago. And, you know, we were, we were taught to be humble, work hard. And uh, he was just surprised. And, you know, we had that good conversation. And from there, he always just accepted, didn't understand what I did, but just accepted the hard work, uh, the perseverance that we did. And uh, the worlds are totally different. So our family dinners, we didn't really talk uh, shop a whole lot. Right. I always supported them. I supported their uh, factory environment, their union environment. And I've always uh, tried to be the, the good brother and good son and just be very open-minded. But I, I really didn't talk about my world very much. They just honestly, in that point in time, they really didn't understand it growing up. So I just let it, let it be. And it was okay. What, what I want to share with the audience is, it's okay not to have the family and friends uh, fully support you and understand, and they might be nicer, and that's okay. Mm. It's nice when they do support you, which they have eventually, but uh, it's, it's not necessary for you to uh, go on your path. And, uh, you know, if you set out and explain it, um, they will eventually uh, support you. That sounds good. So if you can uh, walk us through the journey of, well, not, now you're at the University of Windsor, you're, you're enjoying your time there, you're learning business. Are, are you finding that this is like what I, I signed up for? This is what I want to do. And then eventually you end up uh, landing a role in, in sales from, from what I understand. Was that easy? Was that hard? Or what was, what was the transition like from, from, um, from school to, to the working world? Well, university was, uh, you know, same, same thing. A lot of work, a lot of study, and a lot of memorization for multiple choice tests. You know, we tried to go out when we could, our leisure time. Plus, I worked every weekend and all the summers. So, you know, I still kept that. And the family farm was still there, right? Sure, so yeah. I kept all that, all that balanced in terms of uh, going to school and working and, and doing that. Graduating, though, was interesting because my, my first job in, in uh, my career was uh, retail sales and computers, mm -hmm. selling computers to um Mom and dads buying their first computer for their children. And I had to you know, stand up in a retail setting in Windsor and talk to people, which I was extremely quiet and shy. But I realized something really quickly that the, the questions were the same. Um, the people were the same as the ones we took care of growing up at the roadside stand or at the supply place that I was at. And people just need help. They ask questions and uh, they have to like and trust you. And I learned a long time ago that if I can um, just always tell them the truth and say, listen, I really don't know and find out the answer and get back to them. I found that really set me on a good path from day one. So I was able to go from that quiet, shy person to, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really here to help. And I did a, a nurturing with, uh, again, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of parents coming in and, and nobody knew much about IT and technology and computers and there was no internet. So it was, and there was no cell phones. I know, I know a lot of you are finding that really hard to believe, <laughs> but you know, we had TV and radio and newspaper, right? So again, we had to, uh, we had to get our information uh, a longer, hard process than we do instant gratification today. So I found just listening, asking questions and really caring about the people and making them feel good. And I just want to share, you know, I started back in 88, you know, I've been 33 years. And it took me, it takes me the same amount of time to sell to that couple buying at that time, let's say it was a $3,000 home computer as it does uh, most of the sales that we do today. It's, it's kind of like a, a 45 minute process in terms of getting to know someone, asking them questions and uh, making them feel really comfortable. Obviously some other conversations are going to be longer today at some of the complexity of the conversations we're having, but sure. in a nutshell, it's... Um, same amount of time. It's very interesting how that has evolved. 
And, and did you ever have like any formal sales uh, training or experience or, or was it really just, you know what, uh, l- let me listen, let me care, let me understand the problems and then, and then keep going and, and uh, tweak and uh, I guess your shampoo, rinse and repeat type of thing? Uh, or or uh, were there kind of like helpful tips that, that uh, helped you grow on your sales uh, role along the way? A few things. I, I read a lot. So I read every, uh, all of our local print magazines, our trade publications in our industry at the time. So I read them all. On the sales specifically, I, I was really lucky. Uh, I started with a um, large corporation, Epson Canada, that had the retail store in Windsor. They provided a wealth of training that we would go down to Toronto. And, you know, I was just in Toronto on Friday. And and it's just interesting when, when you're a lot younger is you're get in the car and I'd be downtown at the Toronto Convention Center for an 8.30 all day event and then come home and go to work the very next day and not even feel it, right? You're on the road at four in the morning. But Epson, I was very blessed. They, they did a lot of investment in their staff and the training. And you know, I became a manager three months into it here in Windsor. And then I got myself um, promoted to run the Mississauga store, which was a whole world of experience. And the training was, was tremendous. It's a second company when I moved back to Windsor. Uh, there were some uh, training uh, that we did in sales. Learned, uh, you know, cold calling, telemarketing. Uh, did Dr. Karras, uh, the Sandler. So we did effective negotiating. Like there was a lot of different things. And at Alcor as well, we took a lot of different training. I always feel that you can um, never have enough. And it's up to you if you want to excel. And, and sometimes you have to seek it on your own. There's a lot of virtual courses today that you can choose from. It's just the you know discipline, investing your your time and energy and focusing on it. And lately, um, you know, I've I've done cybersecurity uh, fundamental certification at this level, and it's, it's still a lot of fun. I don't I don't do as much training as before, but uh, it's still a lot of fun when you get involved uh, and learn new things. Kind of exciting. So it sounds like that you're a bit of a lifelong learner where you're constantly trying to improve and, and get better, whether it's a formal course or, or, or books or what have you. Uh, was there anything from a, from a sales perspective that you know what, oh, this really helped where, uh, again, that, that stuff I wish I knew earlier for those that are looking to get into that, like these core principles are, are, are really, because there's a whole bunch of tactics and, and things like that for people to use, but uh, and any kind of core principles that, you, that, uh, that really resonated with you? What? You triggered on something with uh, with the script and the telemarketing. I, I found out everyone was following it and we became robotic. So I decided mm-hmm. that let, let, let's learn and, and look from it. But I have a personality. So I, I decided to to create my own script and, uh, and not actually follow it. You know, just, just like here, I have five pieces of paper with answers on them. And I try not to glance at them where it's kind of like my, my uh, security blankie, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> right? My safety net. And I, I just found that training is really good for sales, but the process has to be real. It has to be genuine. I always point here, it has to be passionate. Right. And, and uh, you know, we, we've taken some really good programs. We have followed them. I've seen sales reps and other uh, people out there that follow the script to a T and uh, it, it, it's, it's not genuine. And I think a, a thing that I had found when, when I came um, to join Alpha Core. I was overwhelmed because, you know, seven years of experience, having, having been doing a lot of different things, including managing a, a pretty hectic store. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm coming back and starting right where I started. 100% commission sales guy walking into this small company. I realized that the genuineness that I brought, what I was overwhelmed 
it was refreshing and I couldn't understand it. I, I had no idea what people were saying, what they were telling me. And I realized that all that sales, all that experience, I took little pieces of each and built my own method, which was, hi, I really care about you. Can, can you let me know what's going on and really dive into what are their concerns? What, what do they need to know? And following up with it was, was something that really set apart. So anyone that wants to do sales, like I was in Mississauga in a city that I knew absolutely nobody in retail getting referrals. Epson Canada, we had 35 stores in the country. They had no idea how I was able to get the level of uh, referrals. And I realized when I took care of people and I loaded the computers in their vehicles and we had small conversation in the parking lot, they started referring their family and their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers. And these are all people I didn't even know. And it was just exciting to teach my staff, but you know, this is what we should be doing. And they looked at me and said, no, no, no. We're, we're, we're here to sell the computers and they can pick them up themselves. And I thought, no, no. So as a manager in Mississauga, while I was there, I loaded every single computer in uh, customers' cars. <laughs> That's amazing. That sounds like a, a great lesson where, I mean, a lot of people uh, think of sales as that transaction, right? Someone's trying to uh, just take my money, right? Uh, yeah. But if you treat it as really a relationship that, that you're building, then it becomes those referrals that you talk about. It's really uh, the development of, of that relationship. And then it uh, starts to pay dividends over time because that, that one transaction, that one act of loading a, a, a printer or whatever, a computer into someone's car uh, can, can really uh, turn, turn the tides and, and have more people go specifically to Frank versus anybody else at, at, at the location uh, as well. Um, Talk to us a little bit about that transition to, to AlphaCore. So, so now you're, you're, you're joining them. You said you, you're joining them on the sales side, uh, but now you're, you're the president. <laughs> so there must have been a very interesting journey along that way. So how does, that, how does one uh, get from there if, if they want to start from kind of the ground floor and, and go all the way to the top? What would that uh, process look like? So when I came on board, we, we set some two-year projections and my three business partners are very technical and they are the, by far the best and have built a phenomenal technical team here. And for me, I, I couldn't get in trouble if I wanted to. Whatever I did, whatever I said, they delivered, they had my back and they brought it. So mm -hmm. if there's a billboard and you see that sizzling steak and you want to go to the restaurant and they sold me on the sizzle, these guys delivered that steak every single time. It wasn't like I showed up and I was disappointed. So it's a combination of the two. I was able to learn a lot about a lot. I was able to enter this market space with you, with these three gentlemen. And after eight months, you know, we seriously sat down and they said, we wanted you to be a partner at the beginning. You didn't want to. Now we would like you to reconsider. So that's what we did. We incorporated. We became um, corporation and uh, the four of us have never looked back and it's been 26 years. The key there is one relationship at a time, one conversation at a time and it's caring and taking care of people. Out of the gate, what we did is uh, we offered 24 seven support and service. We did no contracts. If you, if you contacted us and at the time it was mainly phone call or faxing, mm -hmm. if you called us, we would respond and we would take care of you. And the contract thing was very interesting because in the early days, the people that had heard about uh, what we were starting to do, they had support contracts elsewhere. They would call AlphaCore. We would respond, go on site, get them up and running. Many times the uh, contracted vendor would still be calling them back and the, the, and 
you know, we, we used to write it on the whiteboard that the saying was, Alf Grosert had been here and took care of us, moved the business to them. And it was just, you know, an exciting thing to share and to thrive on and, and to watch all these companies join our company and have us take care of them. It was very overwhelming. And, and I learned that the four of us really cared. We really wanted to help. It was nothing else about anything. It was, let's take care of you. No questions asked. We'll come out 24-7. And whether you dealt with us or not, we just took care of you. That's all we wanted to do was get people up and running and take care of their business. And it evolved from there. And we started building some pretty cool uh, processes and, of course, some platforms, investment in people. And then, you know, here, here we are 55 people later, right? So it's been an exciting ride for us. That's awesome. So, so tell us a little bit about that decision making. So, you initially said that they wanted you as a partner, and then uh, you didn't want to join. And then, uh, how did they convince you, or or what was that thought process in terms of saying, you know what, there's something there that that I want to be a part of? What was what was going on in your head at that time? Well, when when they approached me, um, you got to remember in, in in the technical background, right? Um, in terms of where we come from and who we are, what I really loved about, about the culture is, was the honesty of it. Mm. Just the blatant openness, the honesty, really good at taking care of people. And I was giving full autonomy as a sales rep here. I was always treated like a partner from day one and it felt good. We felt really good that we got along. So of course we got the accountants and lawyers, got all the uh, paperwork inked, wrote the checks and uh, incorporated and uh, moved on. Until this day, the four of us um, get along extremely well. The, uh, you know, pre-COVID, we, we made sure that um, we still spent every Friday together. We would meet formally Fridays and we'd uh, head out for lunch. And it was neat in the culture where, especially newer employees would come in and go, I've never seen like no door slamming and no yelling in any company I ever worked at. And my gosh, the four owners go for lunch every Friday together. Like we'd even in a, my car and we come back together and you don't realize the culture, the influence in your actions, how, how much, how much it affects everyone in, in helping with morale and, and helping everyone with the culture and being happy and uh, motivated. So we've had formal staff meetings monthly and during COVID we decided to do them weekly virtual. So it's Friday at four 30 to reach out to the whole team before everyone's isolated for the weekend. So we, we, we've really tried to do some things as a, a partnership in terms of uh, communication and, and uh, full transparency, which I think has been well received. That's what I really liked from the beginning. So, so it sounds like that uh, it was really like the culture uh, of the partnership. Well, uh, the folks that ultimately became your, your partners and then it kind of continue on with, with the communication transparency ongoing. So, uh, so, so those initial days, there, there were four of you, uh, you, you said, and, and then how did it grow from four to 55? <laughs> what was that process? Because I've heard uh, entrepreneurial journeys where like when you hit like 10 or 20 or something, there, there's a bit of a, a kind of a plateau that hits. Uh, what were some of those, those key milestones and uh, challenges that, and growing pains that, that you had, if you're willing to share? Well, it, there's uh, 12 or 15 people and you will always form a second tribe. It's just uh, the laws of the universe, for sure. lack of better terminology. So we, we um, looked at different areas of the company. So we have uh, administration. So there's that area that's being handled almost like a department, right? Then there's the software development. Uh, we have some awesome developers here with the web development and uh, custom software. 
And then we also have the technical, which has been the larger one, and of course, sales. So e each owner um, got to manage a, a different area of the company and build their team while uh, bringing the synergies together and collaborating. I think that's the key. Had you had one person do it, it's, it is challenging. You, you need to have other leaders in the corporation. So we have four and we formed a management team. So we have a couple others. So there's really six of us that are at the uh, executive management team mm -hmm. that are running the company. So if you look at six people, each really managing uh, an average of 10 people, although the technical department's always been the largest, right? With over 30 in there. Sure. And so it's, um, it's a team effort and uh, the partnership and it's getting together and having that open conversation. What's missing? What do we need? What are we going to do next? Where are we going to go? Y2K is a whole, uh, you know, it's a whole uh, book within itself. When uh, we hit 1999, for the record, AlphaCore started talking about it spring of 97. Nobody had any idea what we we're talking about. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, a lot of people came to us and asked to sign contracts. Everything's going to be fine in December of 99, right. <laughs> over two years ago. <laughs> um, the cloud was another conversation that we started early on. So as partners, you have to make a decision on what's coming up, what's the trend. And of course, cybersecurity right now has been a hot topic for quite some time and right. even, even more critical during the uh, pandemic. So, so I think from a, from a entrepreneur, if you have partners or don't have partners, you, you need to get really good management to be part of your executive. A board of directors, you can reach out and get uh, board of directors from all walks of life that uh, bring something valuable to the table and have quarterly meetings with them. So I would say, hey, um, you know, what, what's the outlook for 2022 when we're, uh, you know, dual dose and the world's opened up? Uh, where does Elfcore need to be in 2022? And I would ask like six professionals from across North America and different sectors as part of my board of directors if that was the path that I chose. Or the partners and the managers, we sit, you know, the six of us and say, all right, where are we going to be in uh, the next one to three to five years and have those open conversations? So it sounds like that you're uh, plugged into the, the industry, the trends and saying, well, you're kind of doing that Wayne Gretzky uh, skate to where the puck will be, not not where uh, the, the, the puck is at the moment so that you can kind of predict a little bit with, with things like Y2K and cloud and, and now, now cyber. Um, so what are some of the, the other future aspirations uh, for, for AlphaCore? Is there, is there more growth uh, or productizing or, or changing business model or just stay the course and continue to grow? Stay the course is always good and easy, but then, you know, it gets boring real quick. So tomorrow morning is <laughs> like, I got to do something else, but uh, there's always growth. Growth is not going to stop. It's been 26 years of uh, growth uh, year over year. You know, we're looking at uh, what, what role can we play in autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, mm, okay. right? So there, there's that whole huge sector that's opened up. There's um, the security is taking us to, to different places, uh, different opportunities. There's some new builds, some, uh, some big projects that we're involved in that are that are huge that, that really need that level of um, expertise that we have, and we're going to continue. What, what I what I love being uh, in this region and beyond is when a story breaks and the media is looking for the expert on the subject matter. You know they do think of AlphaCore, and we're, you know we're honored and proud of that. But we've also given back to the community. We're sitting on boards. We volunteer. We support fundraisers, um, drives, like right now we're involved in three different uh, fundraising events to help clients and other good causes in the community. But I think it's important to push aside just the transaction part of sales. Cause I, I like when you said that, cause I've never looked at sales as a transaction and it's mm -hmm. never a one time. I draw a circle and that's the, to me, that's the cycle of sales. It just never ends, right? 
Yeah, and that's amazing because, uh, well, there is some conceptions for the folks that uh, don't like sales, like 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 myself, where where it is a transaction. It's almost kind of that 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 sleazy salesperson or whatever they're, they're trying to con me out of my money. Uh, but it, it it shouldn't be like that, and and that's uh, something that that folks have to overcome. Actually, one of my mentors from from a sales perspective, um, well, he, he knew that I didn't like sales, and uh, he he said, well you like solving problems, right? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. You like figuring things out and whatever. And he says, well, think of sales, like uh, problem solving with uh, price attached to it, right? <laughs> it just happens that it's constant. And after that, that really helped me kind of uh, change my mindset because yeah, I do love helping. And and it sounds like uh, from, from your perspective, you're, you're also that relationship builder. So it's not a matter of helping them one time. It's just, let's stay the course. And uh, what about the next time? Because you're, you're almost treating them like kind of that, that, that family. And uh, you mentioned about being part of the community. Tell us a little bit more about some of those initiatives. I saw like uh, like build a dream and, and some of the child advocacy stuff. Like uh, how, how do you help it in, in that regard and how has that helped um, your, your business grow and thrive as well? So giving, giving back to some great causes, um, I'm, I'm currently on uh, several boards. Um, you mentioned the child advocacy. So that was an organization formed probably about five, six years ago. I was fortunate to be an advisor the first year and then um, just last week, I finished my three-year term, and, and due to time conflict, uh, I, I've um, volunteered to help as needed. But that organization helps the youth, and it's something that uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, it's it's in the community. It's in every community, and it's being aware of it and helping others. But uh, the gist of that was to be involved in terms of uh, you know help the organization from a private sector point of view because there's the hospital and the police and all the other crisis centers that are involved. So I got to meet a, a wealth of uh, great people and the leaders were tremendous. Build a dream is, um, you know, in our world, uh, STEM is a big thing, science, technology, engineering, math, right. encourage females to go in traditionally male dominated uh, career paths. So that organization has done extremely well. We're, we're now a national organization and um, I've been on that board since the inception when we formed the, the nonprofit and became a charitable organization. And we're, and we're focused on uh, females uh, in high school, grade 11 and 12, when they're, when they're starting to think about uh, post-secondary and where do they want to go. And that's been uh, really self-rewarding to, to be part of something like that. And closer to home in our, in our, in our tech field, uh, We Tech Network Alliance uh, was formed about a dozen years ago. And it was so cool to be part of another organization right from the ground up. I sat on that board uh, about 10 years and chaired it for three, got to sit with a direct competitor. So, you know, it was good to, to really collaborate, push aside your, uh, you know, your, your personal company agendas, right. And, and work together for the better good of the community. And uh, that organization has done extremely well as being recognized. So I was very happy to be part of that. One, one other, uh, group that I belong to is I actually have formed uh, two networking groups, okay. one with a, uh, an associate that we ran for about 10 years when we met in, in person, but when we had a pivot and we went virtual, it, it, it just didn't seem to be uh, what we wanted anymore. So we kind of put on the back burner in January, I, I decided to form my own group, decided to be bold and do something on my own okay. and uh, formed Wednesday Wisdom, which is every Wednesday at 11. And you know what? It's been a lot of fun doing that that group have a lot of great people that come on. People are connecting. So I'm helping people make connections. It all came about in the fall when people were asking, how do we network in this virtual world? Mm -hmm. 
So I thought, hey, there's a need there. Let's go out and help. And it's really not an alpha core thing, although in the social media, my, my marketing is putting it as, a, as an alpha core led, led by myself. But uh, for me, it's truly about helping others. And I'm not really talking about any of the alpha core uh, cool services that we offer. It's about how can you guys connect and ladies, how can we uh, create opportunities? Uh, somebody hired somebody uh, personnel and it's been, it's been just exciting to, to watch it evolve and, uh, and grow into something uh, organically. And it's, it's actually a couple of people have hopped on that I was really surprised that they, they wanted to be a part of it. And uh, I felt really, really good about that and trying to make a difference, um, especially right now when I think everyone needs some help in some way, all of us do. So it sounds like it, it's finding those those problem areas and actually doing something about them, right? Because, uh, well, you didn't have to uh, help with kind of the, the child advocacy stuff or, or the, the women in STEM and, and all that sort of stuff. But you know what, you, you reached out, uh, or I, I guess, did, did you reach out or did people reach out to you and, and, and uh, kind of get you to, the, to join those boards? Yeah, a, a little of both, right? Mm-hmm. So again, they, they seek, it's always tough to get people to join boards, right? Because it's a volunteer and it takes mm-hmm. up some time. And, and then you also want to get the right people. So you kind of make that, what's the skill set that you're looking for? I've, I've been blessed uh, to be asked to join a, a number of them. Some I have to decline, unfortunately. Sure. <laughs> yeah, because there are obviously time constraints where uh, you, you do have your day job, you have your family, you have all these other things to do. Um, but, it, but it's amazing for, for you to identify a problem, like something as simple as networking, because a lot of people mm-hmm. were losing that, that connection. So uh, as something as, hey, uh, every Wednesday at 11, we're, we're going to connect and, and do that. It's as, as simple as, as that. So uh, hopefully that inspires other folks to kind of put some of their uh, thoughts and ideas into, uh, into reality. Uh, I'd love, as we start to, to close off, to for you to share a little bit more of your your swipe, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, your the naysayers, right? Like, don't, don't worry about that to continue on anyway. Uh, what are some of the other ones, if you could go back to, and, and let uh, young Frank, <laughs> little Frank know in various milestones, what are some of the things that, that uh, you wish you could kind of slip him a post-it note or, or a quick voice memo or whatever that, so that he could learn that uh, a little bit quicker when he was uh, going, going through things? Couple things. Um, one, one that I wish I'd have known early part of my career. It, it wasn't really about being right or wrong. I, I know I spent a lot of time clarifying facts and uh, making sure that things were accurate. I had a publisher once tell me when he wrote a story, and you know I critiqued it three times around. He actually says, you know, it, it, the story is not about being right and wrong and spelling and grammar. It's more about telling the story. So. Seth Godin has a great book, uh, All Marketers Tell Stories. Highly recommend it if you, if you love sales. And um, one thing I, I wish that I, I would have done as a child, uh, you know, some of those days that we took off biking, I wish I would have golfed. Because golfing, I think, is still a okay. huge piece of business. And, uh, you know, I, I tried it for a number of years, but, uh, you know, young Frank should have learned how to golf and uh, been more involved in, <laughs> in golf tournaments. But, uh we supported a lot of golf tournaments, so head to the dinner and uh, give door prizes, et cetera. And let's see. Every time there's a challenge, you know, some of us, we, we, we think that's it. It's the end. You know, how are we going to get through it? I, I just wish that I, I wouldn't have spent so much time and energy on worrying about the challenges of the day where I would go back and say, hey, we're going to get through this challenge. We're, we're going to be okay. And, you know, and, and the good news is there's just going to be more challenges again. Mm. And, and that's part of uh, what we need to do and uh, how we grow and how we learn. And, 
we hate making mistakes, but uh, we have to learn to to learn from the mistake and uh, keep moving forward. So as a perfectionist, it was really hard for me to uh, to really learn and understand that one in my career that I just don't make mistakes. And I don't realize that I have to learn from the mistakes that I do make. Yeah, I think a lot of those are, are, are great words of wisdom on the one about uh, cor- correcting uh, the, the facts. I, I heard from someone who is more about like a relationship counselor. And then they said, uh, would you rather be happy or right? Because you can pick, <laughs> pick one of the two, because sometimes when you have to prove your point about, well, no, this is the accurate thing, then the happiness kind of takes a backseat out there. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, I, the, the, no, go ahead. I wanted to share one last thing when you said you, you don't, you don't like sales or people don't want to be in sales. Mm. I, I really want to let anyone, everyone in on a secret where all of us are in sales all the time. You had to sell me to hop on this uh, podcast. I had to sell you that I was worthy to be on the podcast. And, you know, we, we use the word sales loosely, right? I've never liked right. the word myself. I never liked yep. being a sales rep, but um, we're all always selling, right? I mean, that's, that's just uh, what it is. And we have to uh, get our point across, get people to really understand. And, you know, we, we can have people um, respect us and not agree with us and still build that relationship. And to me, that's a very unique quality that I, that I strongly recommend for any of the entrepreneurs. It just because just there's disagreement doesn't mean you can't do business together and come up with a, a happy medium, which I think is really important when, when you're looking at building these relationships. Absolutely. And then don't take this as anything that, that I'm against sales or everything. I totally respect people who, who are in, in that field because uh, I uh, definitely don't have a natural proclivity to it. But at the same time, uh, I totally agree with you where I think uh, in university, in high school, in grade school, they should probably teach some short sort of uh, persuasive communication, whatever you want to call it. it, doesn't have to be sales, but yeah. you're right. Like, like, well, hey, mom and dad can have a dog, right? Well, that <laughs> is sales, right? In, in its kind of purest form, right? Uh, and um, th- those types of things where for those that, that really uh, can kind of adopt that, uh, you'll just be more successful in any walk of life, whether you're technical, whether you're, you're president of a company or any, sh- any area. Uh, sales, as you mentioned, we're all doing it in one shape, shape or form. So I think that's uh, amazing uh, guidance and advice. So uh, thanks so, so much, Frank, for joining us on this, uh, on this podcast. Where can folks uh, reach out to you if they're interested, find out more about AlphaCore or, or other areas? Absolutely. So you can reach me at frank at alfcore.com. I'm on Twitter, Frank Abertsazy, on Facebook. It's not too hard to find. Like you can spell my uh, last name correctly, you'll <laughs> probably find me easily. Alphacore.com is our website. And I blog every Wednesday morning uh, it's from the president's desk called Building Circles. And uh, there's some pretty cool uh, business topics in there and leadership. So it's a lot of fun doing that as well. Sounds good. And, and hopefully it's an open invitation to uh, Wednesday Wisdom uh, as well for folks. So you can probably find some, share some links in terms of how to get connected to that. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to hearing more about you and, and all the great things that, that Alphacore will, will do in, in the future. And uh, hopefully there's, there's a lot of uh, golfing in there for you as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's- that uh, those days are gone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks a lot, Frank, for joining us. And uh, hopefully we might have you back for a future episode. Great. We'd love to. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. 
And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.